Hi there, today I'm talking to photographer Louis DiCarlo. Louis is from New York and he arrived in Scotland many years ago and he's done some fantastic work with musicians and, and just people in general. We're chatting live from the Storytelling Centre in the High Street in Edinburgh and you can hear lots of life going on behind us. Um, and if you enjoy these podcasts, please support my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Simon Tumier. It's, uh, it's great fun talking to these people. And if you haven't seen my weekly vlogs, you can do that at my Simon Tumier YouTube channel as well. Hi, I'm with Louis DiCarlo today. Uh... I've known Lewis for many years since he arrived in Scotland and he takes the photographs of all the Trad Awards, Scottish Trad Music Awards and has done every portrait in the Scottish Trad Music Hall of Fame. How's it going? Pretty good, yep. So, so Lewis, if people hear from your voice, you're not from Scotland? No, I'm not. I'm from a <clears throat> place called Buffalo, New York. And I... Uh, uh, let's see, yeah, just Buffalo. I have a French citizenship from Buffalo with Sicilian family, so that's a pretty <laughs> weird combo, but here I am. And uh, before you uh, found photography, were you playing music? Yeah, I played music since I was five years old and was in a lot of different bands and uh, always in a band. <clears throat> and then it went from rock and roll to blues to jazz kind of stuff and then just went completely into... Uh, free music and kind of avant-garde and electronic stuff. And was it keyboards you instrument? Keyboards, yeah. Synthesizers and keyboards. I mean, it started out just keyboards, piano, and then <clears throat> I got a, <clears throat> excuse me, a B3 organ um, at one point, and then it kind of evolved into electronic stuff. I started getting into uh, Moog synthesizers. And, and did I, I read somewhere that you knew the Moog well, they, their factory was in Buffalo, in a suburb of Buffalo, and <clears throat> through some connection, the guy that had fronted Bob Moog all this money to open this factory, <clears throat> um, I had an opening there, and he was just starting with the uh, mini Moog. <clears throat> so he, I got called in to go in there, and, and uh, <clears throat> they gave me a, a mini Moog to take and play with, play in the band and, and see how I like it. <clears throat> and there was uh, Keith Emerson and, uh, I forgot the name of the other guy, the uh, some rocker, big famous rocker. And so <clears throat> when my, a month passed and I went back in there and had a meeting with Bob Mogan, he wanted to know what I thought of it and everything. So I had to tell him as lamely as possible what how incredible it was but I couldn't get over that it was just, it was mono, it didn't have, you know, polyphonic things happening. And so I, I started going in and out of the place, you know, would go in with different questions and they uh, let me keep my mini Moog and then they gave me another one for, because I, I needed two to play. So I ended up with two and then I brought one back. But it was interesting. He was a, a brilliant character and he himself was a great keyboard player. Uh, I don't know what's happened. I think he's passed away since. But then, then the factory moved away. I moved away. So that was my. And were you taking photos at this point? No, I I'd always taken photos, but I wasn't <clears throat> really doing photos like that. I was more doing like stuff for uh, the <clears throat> protests, Vietnam protests, and stuff like that. So I was doing more press kind of stuff than not. I wasn't really doing a lot of, no music stuff at all, no music photos. 
And, and uh, so, uh, did you meet uh, Agnes in America? No, I met her in Crete. In I graduated from school and I went to Vermont and played in some crazy band where, <clears throat> and uh, used to we used to play in these uh, Hell's Angels bars, and they throw cue balls and billiard balls at us because they hated our music so much. <laughs> and uh, and then after that, um, <clears throat> from Vermont, I uh, got on a ship to. Um, Europe. There was a $150 student fare, and so in May of 73, I jumped on a boat and that ended up in Greece and met Agnes in Crete and uh, had a long story of a crazy <clears throat> meeting. But, anyways, I ended up going to work in a mission in Kenya and then connected with her several months later in France, and that was it. We stayed together since the 40 something years. And did you live in France then? What? Did you live in France? Yeah, we lived in France in the early 70s, or mid-70s, like, yeah. And yeah. then she got pregnant and had a kid, and we had our first kid in France, and then then went back to the States. And so that was that was the end of that fantasy life. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, uh, moving forward quite far, you've taken lots of photos, you found your interest in photos. Yeah, I, I was doing uh, music stuff, but they, uh, it was kind of difficult to balance um, family life, making a living, supporting people, doing music. And a lot of the uh, gigs at, at that time, like around Buffalo and stuff, were very late at night. So you, wouldn't, you, I, you couldn't get home before 4 a.m. And, and I started working in the uh, wholesale fruit and vegetable business because it was like a family business to get some money which started at four in the morning so sometimes I would go right from a bar right to work and look like hell and uh, and then I, I just eventually slowed down on music and I got my cameras back and I'd done um, all my school work was doll and film and photo so I just started doing photos and then got involved with these uh, doctors that were going to remote areas to do um, medical treks and started documenting them. And by then it was the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, <clears throat> I, that's where I met the um, Scottish guys. There was uh, We went on a trek up to a very remote part of Ladakh near the Chinese border, and there was a bunch of... Um, Scottish teachers and I brought my daughter with me and they wanted to exchange uh, Send a kid from Scotland over to Buffalo and have her go to Scotland. So in the meantime <clears throat> uh, they hooked me up with a gallery and This gallery offered me an exhibition of all the stuff from uh, these treks is India a lot of portraits of people uh, from these little villages and uh, I had this uh, thing lined up several months before, and then my daughter uh, came and decided to do one semester in uh, Edinburgh at school, and she didn't want to leave after it, I think because she was 14 or 15 and everybody was drinking beer and having a great time, <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and we were living on Sky then, we'd rented a beautiful house <clears throat> uh, in Ord. And uh, I was editing everything for this exhibit, and the exhibit went really well. And we decided to extend to stay longer. Originally, it was just supposed to be for six months. And then um, Leo McCann, of all people, 
went to the exhibit and contacted me and said, I would love to have you do a photo of me for my CD cover. And so I did that, and then a bunch of people followed after that. I mean, early on, I mean, Iron Horse, uh, uh, Sylvia Ray, and all these people. <clears throat> I didn't know anybody, but they were contacting me, and I started doing photos. And 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 we were li we moved from Sky to the High Street, just above the Tass. In Edinburgh, yeah. <clears throat> and at the time, you could go to the TAS for singing or music, and then the Tron was in full blast. That's where I met you and all the, all the people at the big table with Freddie's thing. And then uh, I think it moved over to Whistle Binkies. So there was, um, there was the uh, Sandy Bells, <clears throat> the TAS, and the Tron, and Whistle Binkies, and then the place in Stockbridge. I forgot the name. So you could, you could every night go to a different session. It was great. And people just started, I just started photographing people, you know, folkies. And all of a sudden, 22 years went by. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are, yeah. So it's funny to see these uh, people now, like, uh, you know, I remember so many people coming in, Nula Kennedy and Chris Drever, and they were like teenagers, basically, you know? And all of a sudden now they're like uh, 40 or whatever, you know, and with families and playing professionally. People yeah. went from these sessions to really being pros, and it's amazing the transition. Now, I suppose, so when you started taking photos of the Scottish Social Music Hall of Fame inductees in 2005, you, you were kind of the, the perfect person to do it, and I know from my communication with the inductees is how much they loved you coming to take because you were always interested in them as people and telling their stories and learning about them. Yeah, well, I was kind of an outsider to it, so most of these people I had no idea who they really were. I mean, even people with big names I didn't really know. And um, there was... Um, uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to think the uh, first, one of the first... Oh, Fergie McDonald, for example. I really had no idea who he was. And I remember going out there to where he lived, and this guy, eccentric guy, comes out. <clears throat> we waited for him. I went with my wife, and we, and we were waiting for him. And he came out, and he had a, a shotgun over his shoulder and his box. And we walked first to where his smokehouse for his... Uh, <clears throat> all his deer were hanging. And, and then we walked out to a spot, and he said he was a... Uh, a rambler and a hunter and a musician and all this stuff and he was just like unbelievable and I really felt like I was in National Geographic or something you know or psychology today and, uh, and he posed and it was just we spent the whole day with him and he was just going on and on and on and it was it was really incredible so I think that going from these portraits of remote areas of India and Nepal and all this, to all of a sudden these characters. It wasn't that big of a transition, it was just a different mode. And I really had this feeling like I was in some geographic kind of thing. And I love different people and these guys were great. And plus my affinity for music, so I thought the music was just amazing these guys were making because it was so honest and raw and really had to do with where they were. So it was inspiring. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Oh, there was a lot of cool people but any other favorites oh it's not a list you made 
Well, yeah, I'm, I mean, we used to do this international thing, so <clears throat> Patty Maloney was on it, and, you know, the Chieftains were a big deal to an American. That was a lot of people's introduction to Celtic music, was through them, even though it was commercial or whatever. So when we got the Patty Maloney connection, I went over to um, Ireland and spent a day with him, which was pretty interesting. His, um, he, had, uh, <clears throat> he was with his family, and they treated him like he was just this, this guy, like, come to the table, Dad, you know. But he told me, you know, I used to be six foot two, and, and this is what's happened. They've beaten me down, so I'm this height now. And uh, they were really nice people, but he, uh, he told great stories, I mean, and he just did so much with all these different musicians, so that was, a, that was interesting. Um, Bill Wilkie? the accordion guy that was one of the great days we went up to his music store and he showed up in a in a summer tuxedo and took us around to his house and showed us all his awards and all his travel and he had spent time in the 40s with Peter Sellers entertaining troops and and he had like just amazing stories and what a personality he he's passed on now. Yeah. yeah. And Pam Wilkie, who I guess was a cousin, the pianist, she I showed up at her house at ten in the morning and she had a big bottle of Jura whiskey out. And I thought, Oh my god, I'm gonna have to drink <laughs> Luckily Agnes was uh, had gone for a walk so she could be the designated driver back but oh my god I had about three or four glasses of whiskey and then she started playing the piano and I started snapping away so there was there was a lot of uh, moments like that um, I think one of the one of the most touching was Ray Fisher who I, I didn't really know that I, I, I knew her brother but I didn't really know her that well and she was very very ill but still agreed to have her photo taken and she played couple songs for me and then she was uh, uh, she just started crying and we just sat there together in a room and I it, it takes a lot to photograph a moment like that but but I did and she was awesome she was just so kind of professional but moving in the same time so that was that was a big a big moment I mean Sheila Stewart was insane that was total <laughs> entertainment uh, another one that was great was Jean Redpath with her stories. I mean, she had Bob Dylan used to crash on her floor in New York, and she had tons of stories and was so uh, politically active in a way that was interesting in her music. And I think she said that she was a lot more recognized in the States than she was here, but she was, she was great. I mean, there's just... One of my actually favorite photos of you, that uh, photos that you took was, which actually end up as one of the really important photo shoot was uh, Stuart Cruikshank. Oh, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. He's passed away, hasn't yeah. he? He was amazing, yeah. He, what was weird is that when I walked into his place, <clears throat> he had a gold record or a platinum record of a band I knew, Mercury Rev, who I'd actually photographed, and they were uh, based in Buffalo when they first started. So. I walked in and I said, how do you know Mercury Rev? And it was like, oh, well, you know, I had him on my radio show and all that. And he, he had like this room full of CDs, but mostly vinyl, that was just incredible. And he also had this amazing guitar collection, but he was just an incredible character. I mean, really a musician's musician and music guy. And he was just, uh, had great, also had great stories and was very easy to be around. And we hung out after that then, you know, he would 
call up and say, what are you doing? Let's get together. And, and he became like a friend. He was great. He was great. And he, I think that there was an important issue as well, because obviously he died very soon suddenly. after. Yeah. And, and it was probably the only photo shoot of Stuart that's really ever been done. Uh-huh. And it was used for so many things. I and uh, and uh, uh, the photos, you were so varied. It was, and he, he was quite a character as well. Yeah, he was. He really was. It's it. it what a shame, though. You know, he. Uh, and then the, the bizarre thing was that I, the house right next door, was this uh, doctor, this physician, um, who was one of the p- people instrumental in us coming to Scotland, and uh, Mary Hepburn, and she was right next door literally and I and I was telling him I said you know I think a friend of mine named Mary Hepburn lives around here and he goes what she's right next door so we all left his wife and him and I and we went next door and knocked on her door and she just (laughs) said well come on in we sat there you know having a few drams and uh, it was just it was magical being around him it really was he was just so charismatic and fun Oh, really? yeah. So, anyway, what, what, have you got any uh, exhibitions or plans for more photos coming up? Uh, Music-wise, or, or well, I think um, <clears throat> I, I totally still like doing the Hall of Fame portraits, but um, I think right now I want to go. I we just did a trip to the Amazon with these um, two doctors that were going to remote Indian tribes up there, indigenous. Uh, Ishwar Indians with these eye problems and did some work there that <clears throat> and I'd like to go back uh, to the to that area near it's near the Ecuador border in Peru and and do more of that I, I think I think right now at this point in time I, I, I really feel comfortable doing people whether it's Hall of Famers or people in remote areas that just have specific things whether and I was thinking of um, I would like to get more into this uh, refugee crisis thing, but maybe more in the Mexico area, you know, because it's closer to home and I can get, uh, get that kind of thing. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's still some music stuff that pops up. There's a lot of young people. There's a lot of people running around with cameras, and there's a lot of visual stuff now. It seems like it's moving to video is the most important, but I don't know. I think You'll I, never beat the photo. Yeah, you think? Yeah. No. Like that, the photo captures a moment. Yeah. The video quickly runs past. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, there's there's so much going on uh, in the world. It seems like it, there's a lot to to photograph. I mean, I I, I went to um, a couple uh, events in France, and I ended up photographing uh, an African. Uh, it's called Africa Remix. And that was like a three-day festival that was just amazing, really incredible. And then in a very small village in France, there were a bunch of uh, uh, avant-garde people from Paris, based in Paris and Berlin and Holland, and they came over to this little village that happened to be where Agnès was from. So we were staying in her grandmother's house, and they had this little three-day festival. And I think that stuff is really interesting because these are people that aren't, aren't very well known, but I think it's important to document them. So I, I'm, I'm very much into the, not so much the fame or celebrity, but just people doing cool things and making sure I can get their image and stash it somewhere. <laughs> well, that's really exciting, Louis. Thanks very much. Oh, yeah, thank you.
and look forward to doing more uh, music stuff. Yeah. <laughs>